Now, let's talk sports with Kanoa Leahy on ESPN Honolulu. What's up, everybody? Welcome. Hope you enjoyed the weekend. It's time for the Monday edition of the program. Let's talk sports. Kanoa Leahy here in the Paxa Studios in Honolulu. And joining me here, kind of uh, tweaking up the schedule just a little bit, uh, I have my man, Billy Hall of the Honolulu Star Advertiser, serving as my special guest co-host for the day. And let's just say, Billy Hull is as cool as they come, and I'm talking about as cool as a rink of ice because you are <laughs> you are riding high right now with your cracking in a big game seven. I don't even really know who they're playing or anything like that, but here you go. You got the floor. Hockey, I, I hockey the, minute with Billy. Wow, Hull. we're gonna start with hockey. Boy, everyone's got to be excited <laughs> about this. No, yes, game seven, cracking stars, a chance to get to the Western Conference Finals, two o'clock. I'm feeling a little nervous right now. I'm like, I'm not really show ready right now. I'm kind of distracted a little bit. It's a uh, hockey has invaded Seattle, where I'm from originally, and uh, we got we all got the Kraken fever and so, a chance so, to pull so, off an upset. So you've been following this, like you're now like a hockey guy. Is is that safe to say? Like how how to what extent has this uh, new hockeyfied Billy Hull sports fandom taken you? Oh, I've been there from the beginning. I mean, uh, two weeks ago, they played their first playoff <laughs> game, and uh, I started watching. No, I really like. I've never gotten into hockey, never been a thing, but. Uh, I'm telling you what, man, like having a team in, in your city to root for and stuff, and then you're trying to start watching playoff hockey on TV, it's amazing. And I don't know, have you been to an NHL game? Uh, yes, I, I went to watch the Vegas Knights uh, when I was in Vegas one time, and it was okay. phenomenal. Uh, watching hockey live, I would have to suggest that it is one of the only sports that is better in person than it is watching on TV. I think the technology has gotten such, right, to where you go to an NFL game and it's cool to be in that environment, but, like, you miss a lot of the action. Yeah. Uh, and I think the same goes for, you know, even baseball to a degree, although baseball's kind of a, you know, it's like, you know, we're going to a picnic at the park kind of vibe, and so that's a, a little bit of a different experience. But I think just watching action, watching a game uh, – I would say most sports are probably better on television just because of the the technology and the access that you get. Hockey's a little bit different though because yeah. it's the 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 television side of it can only do so much, right? Because the way the rink is set up and the boards and all that stuff, when you're there, you feel it on so much more of a profound level. And so that's that's what I thought. Plus, it's Vegas, so they put on this huge show. It's like Cirque du Soleil before the match starts. But yeah, it's fantastic. You? Yes, I've actually, I've never been to Climate Pledge. I haven't seen the Kraken play yet, but I was in D.C. a few years ago, and we were going to go to a Nats game, you know, go to the, it would have been my first time, you know, you go to all the different places. If there's a baseball team in town, you want to go check out the park, right? But it was the same night, it was game Game six of the Eastern Conference Finals, Washington Capitals against the Tampa Bay Lightning. And I just was like, happened to look up tickets. And we got tickets for like 90 bucks. I mean, we were way at the top of the thing or whatever, but we got tickets and we're like, you know what? Let's go. And I'm telling you, it is an unbelievable experience. The crazy part is you cannot leave your seat. Like it is so like fast paced and going yeah. and people don't want to miss it that nobody leaves their seat. So you sit down for the first period, nobody moves, nobody goes to the bathroom, nothing. The moment the first period ends, it is like a fire drill or something where everyone just gets up and runs to the bathroom, runs the line for the beer was like a mile long, but then everyone is back in their seat to start the second period and like nobody moves again because nobody wants to get up and get in people's way and it's such an interesting sport. It's so fast paced and it's just like, and it goes by so fast. It's uh, it's, it's awesome and so I, I always thought it was a great experience but you know, never had a team, never had a reason to care and 
Seattle's got a team, and I was just like, let's have some fun with it. And now, like, I'm hooked, man. I'm not going to miss – I won't miss a second of it this afternoon. You're cool with Kraken as a nickname? Remember that was kind of a thing that was going around? Like, what were they going to be called? You, you like the Kraken? Yeah, I like the Kraken. The, dude, the logo's awesome. The yeah, logo's it is amazing, cool you know. The, but, yeah, Kraken's cool. Um, and then it's Seattle, right? One of the best sports cities in the world, and it's, like, the loudest. They already said it's, like, the loudest NHL stadium. The Seahawks obviously have a crazy crowds up there, and it's just – it seems like such a cool experience, so – yeah, who knows? I mean, hey, what if they make the Stanley Cup? Do I make a little trip up oh, there? You know? So we'll I, I, see. I think you would have to. Yeah, Seattle should get like an NBA team or something. That would probably be oh. pretty cool. I bet you basketball could work up there. I think it might do okay. <laughs> oh, man. Wow. I know. Sorry. Depressing uh, oh. depressing spot there for you. No, but uh, do you find that to be true? What, what I said earlier about the television coverage of most sports because the technology is such where uh, it just feels like you, you, you can see so much more of the game watching on television. And, and I understand being in this festival atmosphere, you know, you're with all these other people who, if you're rooting for the home team, you're all on the same side and you're like kind of pushing in that direction. And there's something kind of cool and almost spiritual about that. Uh, but at the same time, I'm just talking about like watching sports. Do you find that to be true? Because I, I kind of do. Yeah, I'll tell you what's kind of interesting is I think um, I think if it's the playoffs, it's a little bit different, except for one thing, and I might totally be in the minority here. But, like, I'm a Seahawks fan, right? You're a Lions fan. If the Seahawks were to make the Super Bowl or play in the Super Bowl and someone gave me tickets to go in whatever city it's in, I'd turn it down. I have, I'm like, have no interest ever in going to the Super Bowl. Hmm. For me, the Super Bowl is about hanging out in someone's garage, right? You know, having a few, you know, beers, maybe having a lot of food, hanging out with friends and stuff. And I just, I don't, wouldn't want to go to a place that has like so many people are there. It's in like a different city. It's not like a home game or anything. Um, so yeah, dude, wow. I, I like, I would, turn, I wouldn't want to go to the Super Bowl. I, I like sitting at home watching games. But so that might be one place where I'm totally different. But uh. Yeah, dude, I think, you know, with the exception of hockey, I think maybe, like, if the if the Seattle team had an NBA team and they're in the NBA Finals, it'd be cool to go. Basketball's kind of cool. Sure, sure. I'm not suggesting that. different. I'm not suggesting it's, like, a bummer to go to watch sports live. Like, of course, I, I love doing that. Uh, but I'm just talking, like, just watching a game, I feel like the experience is if, if you're interested in like the 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 nuances of the game right as opposed to just kind of like being in that atmosphere um I, I feel like it's just it's 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 more uh informational on tv you just yeah. you get more you, you you see more the replays the the close-up angles i think especially for football uh i would say that hockey at least in that one experience i had watching it would be one of the sports where i'd say you know what actually i think it's better live because yeah. tv doesn't doesn't take you that much further into the action than what you see if you're there in person i would say another sport that i would suggest is better in person is volleyball um, I, I think because, again, like the, the, the television coverage doesn't necessarily take you that much further into the action. Um, and then you feel the hits. Like the thing about hockey is like when guys get crushed up against the boards, like that resonates <laughs> throughout an arena uh, more than you could ever imagine. And same goes for volleyball. When you watch like the Rainbow Warrior volleyball team and these guys are just, you know, hammering these, these volleyballs, like you feel it so much more when you're there. And I think that that kind of experience can accentuate watching that game whereas if you go to a football game in person like unless you're standing on the sideline yeah. or somehow in real close proximity you're not really feeling the hits it's not really like a, a bigger type of experience seeing those guys uh, collide as 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 the 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 vibe that you get watching it on tv 
Yeah, I, I totally agree. I was just thinking now, like, football is the one that I think, the main one where I think watching at home is a lot better. The other thing about hockey, I don't know if you felt this way, but when I went to the game, I could not believe how fast these guys just skated. Like, the way they just go back and forth. Like, it was, like, unbelievable. It was like watching athletes in, like, fast-forward speed or whatever. Yeah, play. Yeah. I mean, those hockey players are amazing and, like, how quick it is and stuff how like that. How they can change directions. Exactly. Yeah. And seeing that in person was really cool. So, you know, I'm with you. I, I think I'm kind of with you on the volleyball thing, too. Um, you know, football, there's, like, so much going on. And, you're like, you're watching. You have, like, also fantasy in the back of your head and stuff going sure, on. Sure, sure. Basketball is interesting. Baseball... Yeah, baseball is more like uh, that's why the don't the stadiums now all have like amazing food and stuff because yeah, like the yeah. leisurely game you yeah. like kind of walk around stuff you like that. Like so you, you, you pay attention kind of, yeah. but you're not like fully locked into every single pitch. And yeah, baseball just, it, it welcomes a different kind <laughs> of approach, I think. But yeah, basketball, I think again, if you're sitting close enough and then you can see sort of the actual size of these monster human beings, yeah. right? Then it's like whoa, okay, okay. Uh, but I don't think you know that, that's only for a select few fans that have the privilege. Of, of sitting close to a game like that. And, you know, I get spoiled. We get spoiled as media members. We get to sit courtside a lot and those kinds of things. And so, yeah, you know, that kind of experience is is, is different. But, uh, yeah, I would say just in terms of, of being a viewer on television versus being in a game, um, yeah, I kind of feel like that we're, we're, we're hitting the note there on, on uh, what is better in person versus what is better on TV. It's just like we've gone so far with TV. <laughs> the technology is so great. Like, we have, a, we have a virtual strike zone that's on the screen <laughs> when we watch baseball on television we don't have that when you watch it at a stadium right totally but then again i will have to say at the same time you mentioned volleyball nothing like being in the stand for a sold out uh men's volleyball yeah. match these last few years some of those games i think i brought it up before that i think it was the 2019 big west final against uh long beach when uh, i was there and it was sold out and it was like the best sporting event i've been yeah. to since like you know the sugar bowl days of uh football or whatever so at the same time yeah but when you get that really crazy crowd and you get that really crazy hype energy in arena, that's that's pretty cool, too. 808-296-1420 is the number to call. You can also uh, text in uh, with any comments. Uh, we're going to open things up. We actually have a caller on the line. Uh, Scott wants to get in. Scott, what you got? Hey, Kanoa. So uh, I spoke to Coach Hill at the Beer Lab the other week, and I can't believe we're coming down to the last. Two weekends of the baseball season. I know. Hey, quality sweep for them, though. <laughs> Sets them up. They're still mathematically in this thing. A lot has to happen, but, uh, you know, they can at least perhaps uh, put themselves in a position where if some other teams lose, it can be kind of interesting. But, yeah, please continue. Yeah, but then, yeah, so they got CSUN, and then they come home for, what, Santa Barbara. Correct. Those guys are, like, what, third and fourth right now. So it, this is going to be a crucial series because, I mean, on the road, these kind of had their struggles. I mean, home, you know, they've been playing pretty good at home, but your thoughts on uh, this coming weekend anyway? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, uh, appreciate the call, Scott. Thanks. Yeah, I think, yeah. Um, you know, I, 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 they, they needed this weekend uh, because, you know, we had talked, Billy and I, in fact, uh, made uh, a, a segment out of the fact that uh, UH baseball, after the Long Beach State sweep, was sitting in a position in the standings where they were just one game out of second place. Yeah. Uh, and we were thinking, geez, if they can, you know, that long eight-game road swing, if they could, uh, at least in the conference games, you know, win four out of six perhaps, uh, if they could take, you know, uh, two out of three in, in all the remaining series, maybe pull off a sweep here there, like they could put themselves in position in terms of RPI to at least maybe get some consideration uh, for a possible uh, regional bid. I mean, that was, that was a, a bit of a, 
idea of of pushing the envelope of of you know what was uh, maybe truly plausible, but I think that it was at least in the realm of possibilities. Uh, and then they went on to to lose uh, five of seven going into this last series against UC Davis, uh, and it just seemed like yeah, you know the, the the hitting got more sporadic. They were striking out a lot of the plate. Uh, the pitching started taking some cracks here and there, uh, and so they needed this. They needed to come home and they needed to kind of find a way to feel good about themselves. And hey, look, UC Davis is uh, not exactly a world beater for sure, but they have a few bats in that lineup and they faced a pretty good pitcher on that opening night against the Aggies. And um, But to pull off a sweep, to, to, to be able to, to swing the bats the way they did, to kind of be able to find some of that success again, you know, Kyson Donahue goes yard, Matt Wong goes yard. Uh, and then I think from a pitching standpoint, you know, Harrison Bodendorf, who has two quality appearances coming out of the bullpen. Uh, Connor Harrison, who makes his first start of the season to actually pitch the way that he did. I just, they needed to feel good. Uh, and now it sets them up with six games remaining. You know, I talked to Rich Hill this morning. And he feels like, hey, look, we're, we're not out of this thing yet. And yeah, you know, we're asking for a lot to have to happen elsewhere, uh, but they can at least finish strong. Uh, and I think that they're intent on doing that. And I think having a weekend like this, um, puts them in position to at least go into this CSUN road swing uh, and then come back against UC Santa Barbara feeling good about themselves and feeling confident. Yeah, 100%. I'm a little worried to talk about this because baseball what baseball players, they believe in superstitions and jinxes and stuff. And we had the whole RPI conversation. And then what happened? They went out and lost two of three to, to Riverside, which uh, you know uh, was tough, obviously. But I think we talked about it then. Playing meaningful baseball mm-hmm. in May was something that Ever since they went to the Big West in 2012, it was you know there was no conference tournament, so you know in the WAC you always had that to look forward to. I know the con- they're going to start having one here, I think, in 2025. Um, but trying to ha- get to May and having series that mean something, and I think this team is really close to that. I think they're still kind of in it. If they have a good weekend on the road this year, I think it sets up for a really fun last series against a really, really, really good Santa Barbara team. That, that, that's a really good program. I mean, you never know what happens, right? I mean, UC San Diego, uh, San Diego just swept Cal State Fullerton. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, UCSB is sitting as as the caller Scott said in third, CSUN in fourth, um, and Hawaii is right behind them at fourteen and ten in conference. Uh, you just you don't know what's going to happen if if Hawaii can can somehow win out, and they're probably going to have to do something close to that. Uh, then you know maybe things can can be kind of interesting here down the stretch. What you look at, I think, in this in this season though, is yeah, you look at ultimately the the wins and losses, right? That's the overall result. But the way they lost some of those games, they had six one run losses losses in conference play this year um you swing the the result in even half of those and you win say three of those now you're talking about hawaii instead of being 14 and 10 you could uh, conceivably be 17 and 7 and guess where that would put you in a tie with Cal State Fullerton in first place. So, I mean, wow, that's yeah. that's the, the margins that we are talking about here for this Hawaii baseball team in a bit of a would have, could have, should have type of way. Yeah, and in a, in a conference, it's pretty good this year. You know, I know there's a lot of teams and there's a couple bottom bottom feeder kind of teams that kind of hurt your RPI, but there's a lot of really good teams in the, in the conference this year. I haven't looked at the RPI in the last two weeks, but I think when we talked earlier, there were like six teams in the top 75 or 80 or something like that uh, before they went on that last road trip. And so, look, it's a really good conference. And I think, look, this is year two of Rich Hill. He's, you know, put in his, his he's doing what he wants to do. I really like the way he just seems to get a lot out of all these guys. It seems like a lot of these guys, they're, they're seeing their full p- potential come to life playing, playing out there. And that's something that, that, that me as 
as a as a as a watcher and someone who covered baseball before likes to see. And so, you know, they get a couple. If he's able to kind of recruit a couple of top notch, you know, Friday night Big West guys, or even just one guy and kind of you know bring in just maybe a little bit more here and there. They got all the makings of doing some really special things, so it's it's hard to say anything other than positive things. I know there, there was those tough one-run losses, but you got to be really happy with what you're seeing right now. Are you a proponent of the establishment of a Big West Conference tournament, which is the plan, uh, at least at the moment, for 2025 for the Big West Conference to implement a league tournament? The, the format of which we don't know yet, whether it's going to be like a six-team type of thing. Double elimination format is the likelihood here, but are you in favor of that? One bazillion percent, you know, I mean, you Is know, that you mathematically look, possible. <laughs> yeah. You remember last year, I mean, they were playing some really good baseball at the end of the year. And imagine if they had a, a tournament to be able to compete in. Um, it just gives teams, you know, like I said, playing meaningful games in, in May is something that I think, you know, kind of wasn't really happening for a while. And then that's something you want to see. And when there's a tournament, you know, at the end of the day, you've always got this tournament to do something. That was the one thing that was fun about the WAC is, you know, yeah. you got a chance no matter what at the end of the year. I mean, you look at the team in 2010, they weren't going to do anything. No. They, they, they were out of it. They were seated, I think, if I want to say right, fifth out of six teams that year. Um, and then they just caught fire the last two weeks of the season, went to Arizona and just went on one of the Colton most Wong amazing... Colton Wong went bananas. Colton Wong went bananas. Yeah, they pitched to him two outs. down. They were down a run, guy on second, two outs, and they pitched to Colton Wong. He gets a walk-off two-run over. And next thing you know, they're in the regional final against Arizona State, which was the number one overall seed in the tournament. They actually beat Rich Hill's uh, San Diego team, which was really good, wow. twice in that regional. He had two guys, his two starting pitchers, I think, were drafted in the fifth round and the sixth round. And Hawaii went and beat them twice. So, yeah, I mean... That they would have never had that opportunity without a tournament, so I'm I'm, I'm all for it. Was Chris Bryan on those teams for? He was just standing? before. I that think. Was just, okay, okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No. That that's wild. I mean, think about what stemmed <laughs> from that. Like Colton's heroics postseason, like got another decade uh, for uh, Mike yeah. Trapasso as yeah. head coach. Um. Maybe got Sam Spangler a news anchor position <laughs> a few years later. I yeah. don't know. Um, no, that, that's phenomenal. And I think the perfect example of why the conference tournament works, especially if you are a mid-major type of league like the Big West Conference is, um, because... Yeah, I think any any league, uh, particularly the mid-majors, like the number one priority for each sport has to be national representation in the postseason, right? If you can get as many teams into the national postseason as possible, that is priority number one, I think, each and every year. So how can the Big West Conference do it? Well, the team that wins the regular season is likely to be a team that would otherwise get an at-large bid into the regional, right? And so what can you do with a conference tournament is you at least provide opportunities for other teams who get hot. Like last year, Hawaii wins 20 of their last 28 games. They would have been a tough out for anybody in a postseason tournament. I don't think there were too many teams that would have wanted to see Hawaii. And then all of a sudden, if they make that run, then the team that wins the regular season, which is probably a lock to get in anyway, now all of a sudden you have an automatic bid from the tournament. You're talking about two teams that are getting in. And in any given year, if the Big West is particularly strong there may be two teams that are would get there may be two teams that would get legit consideration uh, for an at-large bid so I mean I think that's the math right that's that's yeah. sort of the calculus that you're trying to apply here right and I think you know when they first joined the Big West there was no tournament and that was I believe in large part to Cal State Fullerton was kind of the correct king, the king of the conference and they were winning basically every year had really good RPIs and stuff and their worry was if we do a tournament someone else is gonna win the tournament and it might knock us out of uh, at-large consideration but I I think for the most part, I think this is a good enough league where I, that's what I, think. I don't yeah. 
it, I think it'll be it'd be really rare years. I think where having a tournament and maybe if someone that's the third or fourth seed that wouldn't, wasn't going to get in the NCAA regional wins that tournament, that it would knock the 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 regular season champion out from being in a regional. I think. Maybe that might happen every once in a while, but I don't imagine it happening a lot. I think just the league is a little bit too good for that to happen. All right. Well, we appreciate the call, Scott. Again, 808-296-1420 is the number. We're going to go ahead and take a break. Billy Hull of the Honolulu Star Advertiser is my special guest co-host for the day. Uh, on the other side of the break, we're going to get into uh, Dylan Riola, the son of Dominic Riola, uh, one of the greats to come out of this place in the game of football, was an offensive lineman, a center, in fact. And yeah, now he is uh, his offspring uh, have become the cream of the crop in the quarterback position. We'll talk about where Dylan Riola is going to take his talents for college. That's coming up. A reminder, Domino's Pizza Hawaii has all kinds of deals available. If you order online, up to 20% off of your order. They also have combo deals for as low as $7.99. Go check it out. Domino's Pizza Hawaii. They deliver aloha. We'll be back. What's up? Welcome back. Let's talk sports. Kanoa Leahy here in the PAXA studios in Honolulu, being joined by my uh, co-host for the day, Billy Hull of the Honolulu Star Advertiser. Liz Stacy is working the board in the room next door. And um, Liz has an incredible talent for making us feel ridiculously old <laughs> because uh, for whatever reason Billy came walking in humming the uh, the melody to uh, Boys to Men's Motown Philly uh, <laughs> I have no idea where that came and from and that, that prompted us to do like a little you know um, uh, kind of a spur of the moment harmony we were trying to sound like Boys to Men it was just absolutely awful right but um but Liz was not entertained at all in the room next door. And we're like, did you even hear us like attempting to sing? We we're trying to sing Boys to Men. And she had this puzzled look on her face. And then Billy, you're like, oh my gosh, do you know who Boys to Men is? And and then she kind of, again, just was stone-faced. <laughs> and then you were like, could you name any Boys to Men songs? And she's like, no, I probably couldn't. Uh, and then the one thing she knew about Boys to Men was that they did a, a collab with Justin Bieber, like in his younger days or something like that. And it's just, my gosh. Oh, dude. Are we that my old? My gosh, Liz. You guys, you, you don't realize that this embarrasses me way more than it does you. I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. No, 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 it really does. It I cannot. Think. No, it cannot. It's way worse to be at the older end of the embarrassment than it is to be at the younger end of the embarrassment. Yes, Am yes. I right, Billy? A hundred percent. And I just real quick, my first concert was Boys to Men at Blaisdell. Montel Jordan was the opener. Oh, uh, this, this is how we do it. <laughs> I was going to ask her, does, does Liz know Montel Jordan? Does that I think even less. Oh, oh no. my gosh! <laughs> she's oh, like, no. she, she's like, is he related to Michael? <laughs> Does um, he play basketball? <laughs> oh man! Oh my gosh! This is tough. Now you know I'm turning forty here coming up next month. So I, this whole age thing, it's a little, little ah, you know, you're sensitive you're about going it right through now. it. You're going yeah, through it. To go through a little midlife little crisis yeah. here yeah, coming your way. Start, yeah, yeah. Got to start trying to be an adult <laughs> or something at forty. I don't know. Eight zero eight two nine six fourteen twenty is the number to call or text. Well, if uh, you don't feel old yet. <laughs> Wait till you hear this bit of news. Uh, one, a guy who I played uh, Little League sports with in Kalaniana Ole Athletic Club, Dominic Raiola, who went on to be a superstar football player for St. Louis. He's now a member of the Polynesian Football Hall of Fame.
of Fame, was part of the 2020 class of inductees, uh, played over a decade for my Detroit Lions, uh, was the uh, starting center uh, for so many years uh, in front of uh, maybe most notably Matt Stafford. And his son, Dylan Riola, is entering his senior year at Pinnacle High School in Phoenix, Arizona. 6'3", 220-pound quarterback. And he is the number one prospect in the 2024 recruiting class. And he made it official, giving his verbal commitment to, drumroll please, Georgia today. That's right. Uh, again, he's the son of former NFL lineman Dominic Riola. Chose Georgia, them dogs over USC and Nebraska. He had previously actually committed verbally to Ohio State uh, and then decommitted saying that he felt like maybe he had uh, gone a little more, a little too uh, hastily through that process. Wanted to, to take a step back and, and, and let the, the process breathe a little bit again. There was obviously a lot of speculation that he was going to go to Nebraska because that's where Dominic went. Uh, but ultimately, it's Georgia uh, that wins the race for Dylan Riola. And it's not just Dylan, by the way. Uh, He has a younger brother, uh, Dayton, who is part of the 2026 class. And he's a really good quarterback, (laughs) apparently. So, uh, yeah, if you didn't feel old before, uh, this will make you feel old that now it's like uh, some of our contemporaries' kids are uh, making major headlines uh, by their commitment. And in this case, the number one prospect. How does an offensive lineman uh, have offspring that are incredible quarterbacks? Uh, That's something that we have to look further into. Uh, But this is pretty unreal. Obviously, the rich get richer in in Georgia getting this guy. But uh, what a cool story uh, for the Riola name to kind of be uh, living on in that in that way. Yeah, I remember seeing Dylan. Uh, he came over, I believe it was the, for the Polynesian Bowl. Correct. Um, you know, he was already, you know, they do it for seniors, and he was a junior, but they always kind of bring a couple of their top juniors that they already have committed, so we saw him over here for that. But, dude, come on. How good is life when you're like, I'm going to go to Ohio State, and then you're like, nah, you know what? <laughs> I don't think I'm going to go to Ohio State. Yeah, I'll just go to Georgia instead. You know, that... Uh, you got to be pretty darn good to be making those kind of choices <laughs> at, at this stage of your life. I know, but that's that's crazy. And you're right. We actually interviewed him on our uh, telecast of the Polynesian Bowl, and um, he looks just like Dominic. <laughs> like it's uh, just in the face. Like looks all over uh, Dominic. It, it was it was kind of jarring, but uh, yeah, pretty pretty fantastic. Um, what was funny about this was I think Dan Orlovsky may have ruined the announcement because you know he also played with dominic in detroit and he posted on twitter he said oh i'm hearing some big things might be coming out of athens right and i think he added another line like best talent at the position since stafford who went to georgia and uh and so you know i'm assuming that that dan and and dominic uh, chatted and and dan got the caught wind of it and but it made it pretty obvious that, oh, they're talking about a quarterback and it's probably going to be Dylan Riola because everyone knew that Georgia was one of the finalists. Uh, and then so Dan Orlovsky had to actually edit his tweet and take out that second line that said best talent at the position since Stafford uh, because I guess people were getting on him like, hey, let the kid make the call oh, no. or something like that. So uh, some people actually, <laughs> they uh, clapped at uh, Dan Orlovsky in the fashion. They were like, that is the uh, this recruiting news gaffe or recruiting reporter gaffe uh, is um, the Twitter equivalent of running through the back of the end zone, <laughs> oh, no. which is what Dan Orlovsky right, 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 right. did, yeah. Oh, wow. I'll tell you one thing. Uh, recruiting just in general, it's one of those things where, you know, well, we've done it at the paper a little bit. You know, obviously we've had some some big names come out of here. 
High school football recruiting must be so crazy now. Like I haven't really since the NIL stuff is going on, and you know the the it just must be the the craziest process ever. You know, so I'm, I'm always kind of curious. Like, you know, there's a lot of people. It's kind of one of those things where you kind of don't really talk about it. You know what I mean? But uh, and now obviously everything's kind of legal with the NIL. But it's just the high school football recruiting world is one of the craziest worlds in all of sports. I think. Yeah, uh, like guys like Brandon Huffman and yeah. these reporters who who just make it their life uh, to follow all of the news about recruiting of these young people, right? And having to stay somewhat up to date and informed on like who's your final ten, who's your final five, yeah. what bowl game are you playing in, what stuff are you playing? Like that's crazy yeah. to me. Yeah. Like I don't think that. <laughs> I mean, this is just me. I don't think I would enjoy that existence at <laughs> all. No, it's tough. Uh, we we actually have a thing where we have a list of. Every uh, kid in Hawaii, in high school in Hawaii. Yeah, you guys kind of do a version yeah, yeah, of yeah, a that, right? Bit. And just trying to keep up with all the offers is crazy. Like, they're coming and they're going, and they had an offer, but coaching changes. They don't have an offer anymore. It's just, it's nonstop. And it's literally all year long, every year, doesn't stop. It's, you know, one class to the next. Now we're getting, you know, we're getting eighth graders being offered now, seventh graders being offered now. Um, and real quick, just the number of... Um, um, I think they're going to be juniors next year. There is a really amazing couple of classes coming up uh, uh, offers-wise. I think there's kids already – I think we've already got like 20-plus 20, 20 kids in the class, in the sophomore class, who have at least one Division One offer. It's uh, – it's you know, I remember people used to talk a lot about how Hawaii kind of struggled a little bit to get their names out there. But I think in today's world with all the camps going on with the internet and just how much of a – this is a big part of people's lives since, you know, before it was like you get to your junior year and you start throwing stuff out there. Now you're, you're in it since, you know, seventh, eighth grade. Um, yeah, uh, white kids are not having a hard time getting seen. There's there's a lot of kids out there that are going to be able to play Division One ball here coming up. Yeah, uh, in another sport, didn't Chase Thompson, who was a part of the Little League World Series team a couple years back, um, didn't he like verbally commit to the University of Hawaii? <laughs> He's like in the eighth grade or something oh, like that. Yeah, well, there was Kaimana Lao Kong and Iolani last oh, year. Oh, that's the right. Ninth yeah, grader committed. Yeah, they're they're getting them early, man. <laughs> Rich Hill's Rich Hill's getting them early, man. He's if you're coming up on the island, he, he doesn't want you going anywhere. Oh, you know, there, so. there, there's a method to. He's to the the of, he's yeah. building the fence around the island. There's a method behind it. You're right. Like when he's going to all these like uh, little league yeah. opening day ceremonies, there's a reason, at least in part. Uh, reaching out to the community is one thing for sure, which he is fantastic at. Uh, and the other is, uh, all right, let's just uh, get that old University of Hawaii logo on your radar yeah. uh, for some of the future stars here. Uh, all right, we got Billy Hull in the house. We're going to take a break. When we come back, uh, we will talk about a few uh, other stories that are more on the national level, including. Uh, John ja Morant, oh, what no. are you thinking? We'll be back. <sighs> What's up? Welcome back. Let's talk sports. Kanoa Leahy here in the Paxa Studios in Honolulu, joined by my special guest co-host for the day, Billy Hull of the Honolulu Star Advertiser. 808-296-1420 is the number to call. Uh, Billy, this John Morant thing, uh, he, after all of that, right, after the, the whole uh, controversy, hullabaloo around the fact that he was seen in an Instagram live post waving a gun and ultimately got what an eight game suspension uh from the the grizzlies and the nba and um just the the kind of shame that was brought on him uh because of that right as being the face of that grizzlies franchise it's crazy how far this thing has fallen 
because the Grizzlies, three months ago, you're talking about the Grizzlies like, oh boy, these guys are coming. Yeah. And they could be coming this year. They may be ahead of schedule the way these guys are playing. Uh, who wants to meet them in the postseason? Then a couple of injuries uh, to a couple of their big guys. Uh, and then the whole Dylan Brooks fiasco in the postseason. And then that happens with Ja during the regular season. Well, there's another Instagram live post that shows him, that came out the other day, that shows him with another firearm um after all of that, after attempting to, it seemed, take responsibility uh, after the Grizzlies got bounced uh, by the Lakers for the negative impact that some of his choices had on the team and the franchise, for after all of that to take place and then go ahead and do it again? I mean, you don't want to... Um you don't want to talk about these guys like they're like they're infants or like they're little kids, right? Even though we do kind of make excuses like, hey, look, what would we be doing if we were given this kind of level of fame and, and notoriety at such a young age? But that kind of behavior is infantile in, in many ways, right? Yeah, this is one of the most just puzzling things to me. Like, this is a guy, let's be honest, like, this is a guy who... I think was about to kind of become the face of the next generation of the league. Like you've got LeBron James who's carried the mantle for so long in year 20, Steph, Kevin Durant. Like those are probably like the three guys maybe that kind of were the have been the face of the league the last decade or whatever. And it's like they're all kind of getting up there and there's this next generation coming. And I think wouldn't you have put Ja Morant like at the forefront of like being the next the big face of the league coming up of these guys that are 25 and uh, uh, 25 and younger. And for him to just kind of like be totally willing to throw this all away, I mean, I, he's going to get su- suspended for a significant amount of yeah. games next year, right? I mean, we're talking, I think, 15, 20 games, half a season. I don't know. It's going to be big because he just got suspended eight games, barely makes it a couple of months before doing this again. All for what? What, like, what are we trying to prove out here? I just It's so weird to me. That is the part of it that, that's peculiar. And, and, you know, we, we can only speak to it uh, to a certain degree because I mean, we're on the outside. We don't know what this guy is, is experiencing necessarily in his personal life. Uh, he has made claims that he was battling some mental health issues during the regular season. But there does appear to be, um, again, just on the outside looking in, this effort on his part, this desire to be something that maybe he's not, right? I mean, when you talk about some of the the guys who were a little bit more uh, affiliated with those kinds of things in their off-the-court life, right? One of the guys that would come to mind would be like Allen Iverson, who was actually involved with some, you know, confrontations, and there were some things in his life that were a little bit more adjacent or even directly correlated with those kinds of, of events, that, that lifestyle, so to speak. It doesn't appear as though that was necessarily part of John ja Morant's upbringing, and I think almost the act of him for whatever reason desiring to to uh, flaunt that like to wave a gun on an IG live post with with your friends is almost a a an attention calling that is representative of something that is disingenuous that's sort of how it strikes me that he's trying to be something that he just probably isn't if that makes any sense yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think so. I mean, you you bring up a good point. Like that, we only we don't know a lot. But the the reality is, like, what's just crazy is like this isn't the first or second time. Like, yeah, he has to understand at this point what 
what he has to lose here. I mean, he has a, a lot to lose. He's already lost kind of a lot. I think, um, you know, I think there's probably a lot of opinions out there of people that were fans of his that probably aren't fans of his anymore. And so, you know, you, you add that on top of it. But just, you know, the, the simple thing of just waving a gun when, when you've been through this, when you just went through this a couple of months ago, being suspended really... I mean, you let the whole team down. I mean, the Grizzlies completely fell apart. I, th- I thought they were a title contender yeah. this year. You know what I mean? Yes. They were really, really, really good. And, yeah, they had some injuries. But, you know, for, for kind of the thing around your team to be just, um, you know, like with the Dylan Brooks thing, that they're just immature. And, like, they, you know, how are you – you're not going to be able to take the next lever if you're not going to kind of wisen up a little bit. And yet we're still doing the same thing again, barely, you know, barely into the offseason. It just – it's just so hard to not understand – um, to not understand why these these athletes aren't understanding what what's at risk, what they're risking for for what kind of payoff. It yeah. just doesn't make any sense to me. So the Grizzlies have effectively suspended him from all team activities while the league uh, looks into and reviews the situation. But you're right; it's going to result in what will probably be like a a twenty or so uh, game suspension in in the regular season. And then what does that do to your team's season? What does that do uh, to your team's morale? How much does this as the face of the franchise is the guy who was supposed to just have the keys, man, yeah. to the whole Memphis mobile um, to, to be the guy who is the cause of that potential fracturing uh, is is unconscionable. And, and it's just unfortunate because he's otherwise an incredible player. He's otherwise seemingly a, an incredible person, yeah. um, but just making some really bad choices. And I just don't really understand why. Yeah, that's kind of the same thing too. Like, I mean, it's like, if it's something like, even like drugs or something, you know, there's like an addiction involved and all that stuff. But is there an addiction to carrying, waving around a gun on Instagram live? Like it, it's just hard to kind of figure out. And the other thing about your teammates and stuff, like I'm sure free agents probably would be like, yeah, I'd love to play with Jaws. Great player, great guy. And then all of a sudden now this offseason, you're looking at what happened over there and all the different things. Like, would I really want to go play over there now? So, I mean, yeah. you're just you're hurting your team in so many different ways. All right. Well, uh, speaking of the NBA, uh, your thoughts on the final four that we have here. You have the Celtics and the Heat on one side. You have the Lakers and your new team, apparently, <laughs> the Denver Nuggets, uh, on the other side. Interestingly enough, it's the same final four as we got in the bubble if you recall, right? Yes. And uh, I don't know. I kind of see that to maybe be an indication that, uh, you know, all the oh, asterisks no. that oh. people want to throw on the bubble season, maybe the bubble kind of got it right. Maybe the asterisks should be in the seasons where some of the key players on these final four teams were injured, like in the last two years. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going down that road. Um, look, Celtics, Miami, cool, but come on now. Couple few weeks ago, I was talking on here about how, hey, you know, Denver would be kind of cool. You know, they haven't won before. You know, Jokic has been the MVP twice, but doesn't kind of seem to get all that credit. We like everyone just for some reason likes, oh, he's so bad at defense and all this stuff. And yet now here he is in the Western Conference Finals. I don't. By the way, where's the MVP? Joel Embiid is he around? Did anyone? Oh, he got. Oh, he got. Oh, that's right. He's not in the playoffs anymore. You were being sarcastic there by asking that. I bet. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Just a little bit. But uh, now he's got a chance to dethrone LeBron, get to the finals. What a great story! Oh man, what an unbelievable NBA finals with Jokic leading the way. It's awesome. Let's. I'm I'm riding the Nuggets train all the way to this one. Uh, What What would be the best NBA Finals matchup in your opinion? By the way, the Celtics uh, doing in the Sixers uh, in the way that they did with Jason Tatum. It's fascinating to me. He goes off right, 51 points. It's a game seven record, Um, but it's it's 
fascinating from the standpoint of just the game before when he was struggling and looked like something was wrong and looked like he couldn't make a shot uh, if, if his life depended on it. He was that close, like razor thin margin, that close to being the next or this generation's basketball version of Bill Buckner oh, in Boston. Can yeah. you imagine had they lost that game with the performance that he had been putting together prior to clutching up and hitting three threes down the stretch? What would have happened to Jason Tatum and his reputation in that town? Oh, and yet he's able to turn it around by hitting some key buckets down the stretch. Philadelphia kind of let the, the Boston Celtics off the hook a little bit oh. there. And what does Tatum do? He turns around and now he is superhero yep. status once again in Boston. That swinging of the pendulum to me, and I don't really love some of the ESPN coverage on this because they always talk about legacies and all of that stuff. And it just gets absolutely um, boring after a while. But in this instance, you could actually see that pendulum of he was going to be one of the Boston like um, goats and not greatest of all time yeah. kind. He goes from goat to now one of the Boston goats. Yep. So it's like it's crazy to me. Well, shouldn't this be the ultimate reminder to everyone that like literally a couple of jump shots are the difference between him him being looked at two entirely different ways, which just shows in itself how crazy this whole thing is. And I know you and I agree on this, but I can barely handle yeah. ESPN anymore. Uh, yeah, you know, it's, I, it's, I watch it for the live sports, but there's. I mean, no I love it. I know that we're under the ESPN banner, but I'm just talking like that studio show and the way. Like, I just I could use a little more analysis. Yeah, you know exactly. What I mean? Exactly. I I kind of um. It's just all about rings, and and I think it's kind of actually shaped this culture in sports now of the way athletes react to the media, the way the game is even played, this load management. Like, nobody cares about the regular season anymore. And I guess it kind of makes sense if you turn on your TV and all you hear about is you either win a championship or you're a failure. Yeah. You either get that ring or you failed miserably. You need to go home. You need to practice every day, come back next year. And if you don't say that, then, like, you're, you're, you're showboating or whatever. Like, it's crazy the, the, the way we now define athletes, basically, or the way a lot of way athletes are defined is basically by, did you win the championship or not? And that all begins with what you're seeing on television oh, every and day. The discourse around it, particularly you know on that, that NBA studio show for, for ESPN, is just it's so oversimplified. It's just, all right, let's look at the two stars for either side. How is their legacy impacted yeah. from game to game or even quarter to quarter? And then it's, all right, Stephen A., who's the low-hanging fruit target? Who can I risk? Just to kind of get a, a few extra clicks on on you know on a clip uh, that gets you know um, aggregated or whatever. Like it's just it's crazy to me. Yeah, it totally is. It's and it's like one of those things where like okay, we need to you know on ESPN.com they like always have Stephen A. Smith with whatever thing he said today breaking down. All right, we need two quotes that we can blow out on. Those yeah, clips. yeah, like, yeah. You know what I mean? It's almost with like, that one weird facial expression yeah. <laughs> from Stephen on one side. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. That's but, what it's uh, become though. No, it, it really has. It really has. But you know. Getting back to the basketball a little bit, um, you know, Nuggets, Lakers. I mean, it's hard to go against Lakers-Celtics, right? I mean, the, the history, the tradition, and stuff like that. So that's probably the finals. That's definitely the finals I think the uh, the networks want. Sure. But, uh, dude, I'm, I'm, I'm riding the, Joker, uh, the, the Joker train. The Joker train. Uh, he's great. He's great. Yeah. I, I just, like you're alluding to, it's just not the best oh, story. Like, it's a story, not the best story. All right, we'll take a break. We'll uh, wrap things up with our best and worst after this. <laughs> Welcome back. Let's talk sports. Kanoa Leahy here in the PAXA studios in Honolulu, along with my co-host for the day, Billy Hull, 
of the Honolulu Star Advertiser. We're heading into the home stretch here. Time for our best and worst. Uh, Billy, we've had a whole weekend to, to gather some info to inform our best and worst. What is your best for the day? Uh, my best, I just in, in, in remembrance of Doyle Brunson, the uh, World oh, Series of Poker yeah. champion. He uh, died on Sunday. He was 89 years old, but was like the face of the poker boom in the yeah. in the you know was it 10 years ago now and stuff. I really got into poker. I love playing poker, but I loved watching it on TV. And you know when it first kind of became really really big on TV, it was Doyle Brunson out there, you know, with his cowboy hat, Texas Dolly, kind of the legend. Always just seemed like the nicest guy in the world. I always wanted to sit down and play a hand of poker with him one day. It never would have happened, but just. You know, he was. He, I was kind of a big fan of his. So, just a shout out to. I think he won ten WSOP bracelets in his career. Um, yeah, just kind of was sad to see him go. Yeah, you know, what, one of my favorite movies is Rounders yeah. with Matt Damon, and uh, Doyle Brunson provided so many references. Right, they quoted him throughout the movie, and that's one of the best parts of the movie. And I remember some of the quotes. One of them was, "The key to no limit is to put a man to a decision for all his chips." Right, and he also had one thing where he says, uh, "A man with money is no match against a man." On a mission. On a mission, yeah. I absolutely love yeah. that. So, yeah, that's a good one. All right, my best is uh, that prep volleyball championship. Oh, uh, man. Which was held up at Cannon Activity Center, both the Division Two and the Division One. Congrats to St. Louis for winning D2. What a year St. Louis sports has had, by the way. Uh, and then the Division One battle where we saw a reverse sweep. Punahou coming back from down 0-2 against Kamehameha. It was the seventh time they played all season. And, yeah, we were kind of wondering, okay, why are you going to play it all the way out there? But it ended up being a pretty awesome atmosphere. And, man, was that an entertaining match. So, congrats to Rick Tune, who we are scheduled to talk to on this show tomorrow, by the way, as Punahou made it 10 straight state titles. That's crazy. And just a heck of a job by Rick Toon getting that done because they had to beat two really good teams. They had to beat Moana Lua, who everyone right. was excited about with the UH kids in the semifinals. And they were the underdog for like the first time in forever. And for them to still pull it out the way they did, you know, we watched in my household, we had the game on the, the whole night. It was, it was really fun. All right. Uh, what's your worst? Oh, man, dude. Ben Simmons. Oh, I could not believe this. So the Celtics are blowing out the Sixers at the end of that game to, to close them out. And, and Ben Simmons, of all people, decides to post to his Instagram a picture of him. I think he had a nice glass of yeah. red wine on the table, seemingly enjoying the Sixers going down in flames. When, like, <laughs> it's I mean, I don't fault? even know where to start. It's kind of <laughs> your fault. I mean, you weren't there. You know, they, they did what they tried to do to help you. And you, know, you never really seemed interested in playing basketball. You took all this money. You're kind of... You know, I mean, it, let's just say, like, for you to have the audacity yeah. to turn around and post that was awful. Yeah. Awful, Yeah, dude. yeah, I know. Get, <laughs> get over yourself. Yeah, that was pretty bad, man. Like, you, you couldn't even, like, find your way on the court, dude. Exactly, like, yeah, dude. That's, that's on, pretty man. wild. All right, my worst is uh, Carl Ravitch. Uh, we're kind of bashing on ESPN a little bit here uh -oh. today, right? Yeah, no, I, I not a smart business decision on our part. But Carl <laughs> Ravitch, uh, on the uh, broadcast of the Red Sox Cardinals, uh, they had... Uh, the uh, Red Sox uh, first baseman Tristan Casas uh, mic'd up and Carl Ravage because it was Mother's Day asked him about uh, the fact that his mom passed away this is during the game uh, when he was nine years old and you know how that affects him um, and what Mother's Day means to him and I just thought like wow that's kind of heavy during a game while he's mic'd up to ask him about his his uh, deceased mom but um Oh, well, you know, oh, to man. each his or her own, I guess. But yeah. yeah, Twitter wasn't too happy with that. Yeah, either. he probably didn't think that through. But real quick, even though I might not watch the ESPN station as much, I listen to the radio station every oh, day. Oh, yeah, we every love the radio station. Yeah. Absolutely, exactly. absolutely. All right, that'll do it for us. <laughs> Big thanks to Billy. Show me your eyes, and you may as well show me your cards, Doyle let's, Brunson. Let's go cracking. <laughs>